it's truly a family. Um, there's a reason why they gave us all every the, like everybody in Jersey Boys. We got the T-shirt from the second anniversary for Broadway that says "Family is everything in the arm." Um, so it's not just it's not just a line in the show. I mean, it's it's truly like it's a it's a very bizarre, sometimes dysfunctional family, but a fa- family nonetheless. <laughs> uh, and I think I may be one of the rarities that stuck with one company the entire time um, until mm-hmm. I left. I actually just went just for the hell of it the other day. I was home alone. And I was like, I wonder if I remember, still remember some of these, these monologues. And I started going at it, and it was like getting on a bike. I mean, everything just came to me. I couldn't have told you what the next word was, but it came out anyway. Um, so I, uh, it's, uh, you're right. It's surprising that I didn't jump into it when I was talking to you guys. <laughs> oh, hey, well, well, you know what? Next time, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do a, yes. we'll do a quiz. <laughs> He's the. He's actually our favorite season. Yeah, I mean, we, and we, <laughs> we have know, a sweet spot for Nick. Yeah. We know the least about him, man, and um, but we feel and, like he's he has the best arc. And it's so yeah. yeah, and it's so intriguing to see how different people portray this guy who has. I mean, he didn't make it long enough to see the show, and you know, to to really give to really say what he felt and to give his experience and. It's I, I think of and I, I you tell me if you if you feel differently. I think out of all four seasons, in the the, act, the characters in Jersey Boys, I think Nick Massey has had the most variation in how actors have portrayed him. Yeah, and I, yeah, absolutely. But I also think that's because when you have Frankie standing over your shoulder, then then you do what he asks you to do. When you have Tommy telling you what to do then you do what he asked you to do and when you have bob sitting there usually with richard hester telling you what to do you really listen to what he has to say um but but i mean but nobody's standing over your shoulder when you play nick and and while there's guidance because it's what they created for the original show it the truth is is there's enormous amount of leeway given to the actors because there's only so much they can give them you know des def, des always gave us direction but he didn't have a whole lot to say about character other than what they sort of created in their heads. What was your approach to Nick Massey? Particularly in Vegas, too. I'm sure it was a different kind of crowd that you had to appeal to. Uh, you know, it's funny, you know, after saying that, the first thing that I did was I went and talked to Frankie, um, and not so much Bob, but Frankie and a little bit Tommy about, about Nick, you know, to learn about him. Um, I, I met his family out here in Vegas, which was actually really nice because we got to have dinners at their house, um, and, uh, you know, they would talk. It was actually Tommy's family, um, but, but Nick's family would come and visit um, every once in a while. And so I got to, I would sit down and I'd be sitting with Tommy and his nieces and, and, um, and his, gra- his grand nephew um, and grandniece. And we would be sitting with, you know, Nick's daughter and her husband. Um, and, and we would just, I would get to ask questions. Um, and so that's kind of, I, I tried to, to learn more about him so that I could at least play it as close as possible. The rest was just 
building a character. You know, the same way you would build a, a character that had never existed before and was completely fictional. Um, I just, I just did it on with somebody who who had lived. Exactly, yeah. and there's so much depth. I, 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 people always talk about the, the shot glasses at the top of Act Two mm-hmm. during, oh, yeah. the Lorraine interview with Frankie and how different people would line up the glasses and how <laughs> and different pour, people and, and yeah. pour and everything and I feel like it's it's you you don't you don't really see much of his you you see glimpses into his alcoholism in the first act like you know especially you know you know right before Sherry and and you can miss it because in this scene in act 2 when Lorraine is talking to Frankie Nick is just there down in shots approaching that all those issues that you know those demons that he was battling like how did you as an actor portray that as truthfully as you could you know a lot of it is is starting with the scene you know you start with with the words you have to say and the people that you're saying them to you start with you, know, you layer on how you feel about the person you're talking to and the people who are sitting next to you um and and you know by the time you've layered making your choices you know just basic choices about what you're saying and and how you would be influenced by somebody you're sitting next to that you like or you don't like or that you have to like because you're in a band together but you don't really you know um once you get there it's already pretty rich you know so then it just becomes about you know the 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 subtleties you know what thinking about the psychology of somebody who who has made mistakes in their life that they're trying not to show anybody they regret, but they do. Um, and so, you know, it's finding little moments to, to, to show the things that you only show when you're not thinking about it. Um, and that's kind of how you start layering. That's how I started layering that back in. And that's why it was so important for me to sit down. I mean, I think the first person I spoke to was in San Francisco um, with Frankie. I know, and and it, he taught me. He told me a lot about what it was to rehearse and perform with Nick, um, and and also arrange with Nick. I mean, you know, what's interesting as I also took. You know, you guys talk about the hockey stick and the different formations and how Des, you know, set Nick aside and kind of behind, and and he was always a little bit invisible. Um, and and I don't know if it was meant to be, but you know, you. You take that, and obviously it's been so well-crafted at the time we, we were in Vegas and, or in San Francisco getting ready for Vegas. You know, there was already three companies. You know, we were the fourth company of Jersey Boys, and so you got to sort of learn from what they had already done. So I personally took when he, when I would be blocked to be invisible, um, I remember the fact that, you know, Nick was the vocal sound of the entire band. You know, he, he couldn't read music. He would walk up to somebody and say, he'd say, okay, Frankie, this is what you sing. Okay, Tommy, this is what you sing. He'd sing it. And that's how they would learn their parts. Um, but the person you know, as far as the music goes, isn't Nick. You know Bob. You know Bob Crew. This is who is out there. Nick, in the music, was somewhat invisible. Um, and so I kind of tried to, I took the little details like that Um and, and then it informs you and informs how much you move. Um, somebody like Tommy, you know, from Christian all the way down, um, there's a lot of movement, very purposeful, big movement. That's because Tommy was noticed. 
wherever he went, he was noticed. Whatever he did, he was noticed. He wanted to be noticed. Um, Nick was the opposite. So you don't make a lot of big movements when you're Nick, you know, so it gets all the way down to the minutia of like movement um, as the character. And then by the time you're done, suddenly you're on stage, you've done it a thousand times. And, you know, you've just created this thing that you're just living in. Yeah. Well, with Sergio, with the dancing, like, like just with everything with like, like this, did, were, did, were you directed to do it a little softer? Or no. Or did you still have to be sharp for, no, for stage? No, no. When, when it came to, to Sergio and choreography, everything had a purpose. So, um, and the choreography, we would all not do it perfectly. And the reason was, is because they wanted to portray the honesty of the fact that these guys were singers. They, you know, they literally met in front of an ice cream parlor on the streets of Jersey, sitting, singing under a lamppost. That's how Nick and Tommy met. And um, they were not dancers, they were singers. This is what they did instinctively. So we just followed, when we were told to dance a certain way, we did. But I don't know if he made choices individually for characters. I think he just wanted to know, he wanted to see the whole picture. And the whole picture was, it doesn't matter if you're Frankie or Bob or Tommy or Nick, you're not a dancer. So. Here's some simple moves that we're giving you. We want it to look like you've been together for a long time and that you move as a unit, but it's not sharp. It's not perfect. You guys aren't Bob Fosse, you know, you're, you're Nick Massey, um, you're Tommy DeVito, you know, and that's how that, he was specific, but he did not inform our characters at all, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because everyone, like every Nick that I can think of, does it so differently. Yeah. And, seriously. Yeah. Could you walk us through your Jersey Boys timeline? So we know you were in San Francisco. That was was that December two thousand seven. Yeah, that was the holiday engagement. It's where if, it's the only Jersey Boys poster that has the Santa hats on it. Um, <gasps> oh my no god! Way. I don't think we've ever seen this I've, one. Yes, I've yes. never seen somewhere, this. Somewhere, somewhere I've got a playbill. Um, I'm sure sadly buried somewhere it's not as safe as it should be but um yeah we, we all had santa hats so the, it was the jersey boys poster and everybody had a santa hat if you if you could find that and send it to us oh, like a picture okay that would be we would love to so post cool. it That'd be yeah. great. we actually made silhouettes <laughs> podcast hats so who didn't even match you were all santa yeah. pimps yeah santa yeah. pimps yeah there you go oh what a night yeah so that, that then that cast was pretty much the vegas cast um, there were a few exceptions, and I don't think anybody knew, even even the people that didn't come with us to Vegas knew at the time that they weren't going to. Um, so we were all hired as the Vegas cast, and we were essentially just waiting for the Palazzo to be built and for all of the details um, to be put on the contract between Dodgers and, and the Sands Corporation. Um, so we, we finished off right before New Year's. We went directly, you know, we had a little bit of a break and went directly into rehearsals because unlike any other show out there for Jersey Boys, they were looking at how they potentially could cut the script down. Um, and thank God they, Des stood his ground and so the producers and they said, we're not gonna cut it like you want us to. Uh, I think when it came down to it, they cut maybe eight minutes off the show. Um, so not, not a whole lot at all, but we tried, I think four different scripts and we had to perform them in front of Frankie and Bob and the entire creative team in San Francisco um, so that they could sort of see what it looks like. And, and funny thing is, is what it came down to is we almost did it without an intermission, but Frankie had to go to the bathroom halfway through act two. <laughs> so he said, that's it. We need to have an intermission. So we had to um, <laughs> It's a long show. Like, it's a long yes. show. Yeah. It's like, I mean, so they do it on the on the cruise ship 
they do it 90 minutes, no intermission. So that actually sounds fairly similar to our script. I think when we did it without an intermission, it was about an hour and 40 minutes-ish. Um, no, maybe a little bit less than that, actually, because it's two hours and 10 minutes with an intermission um, is about what the show is supposed to run. And so I guess we were about an hour and a half. Okay. Do you remember which um, scenes were cut in different versions that you had to perform? You know, never a whole scene. It was never a whole scene. So they cut out the middle section of Big Girls so that it was shorter and more compact. And that actually stayed in Vegas. They cut out um, like a line here, a line there, um, rarely even sections of, of scenes. They would just cut out, um, you know, two, two lines in a conversation. And, and they kept doing it until they made it all the way through. Wow. Okay. That's a wonderful and way to do it. When you performed those versions, I'm sorry. No, you're good. When you performed those versions, you did them like full out, like on stage, tech, and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a re- so, so one of the versions we, we were practicing, um, I had really hoping we would do it because they were, they were digging up some old stuff from, from La Jolla for Nick, and they extended his monologue because essentially – their concern was if we don't do it with intermission, how is everybody going to get changed into new costumes for Act Two? Um, because there just wasn't enough time, and we never leave stage. So, um, so they gave Nick this extended monologue to connect the beginning of Act Two into a place where he, I could leave, change quickly, and then meet them in jail. Um, and it into was, the and, fall costume. Yeah, it was an okay. awesome wow. monologue. Um, and sadly, so two things happened. One, um, I, I had a stomach flu um, when we were oh, in no. the middle of this like three-day thing of performing over and over again. And um, I was literally sweating, and, and I went totally blank, and I, I missed a line in the monologue, and it made us go back. Um, and as a result, it went a little bit longer, and then Frankie... I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I, I always wonder if I if I was feeling better and I would could have just driven straight through that monologue if that's what we would have ended up with. Oh man! Wow. Well, do you remember what what was extended? Like what the what the dialogue was? Yeah, there was a whole section about um, about Tommy, about what Tommy needed and why you know why he always needed to be the front man and, and needed to be seen. There was a little, you know, he and uh, what stayed was what was, exists on Broadway, which in off Broadway now, which is, you know, the whole thing about Bob and not really seeing, seeing what was going on because he all he could think of was the business. So there was a little extension there and that piece of it, um, and then a little conversation about, you know, some of my regrets as Nick, you know, that that weren't quite there, um, the rest of the show, and it was it was probably. Three, three and a half minutes um, of a monologue. And then I was supposed to run off stage, get quickly changed into my suit, and then come back down on stage into the jail. So what happened between Norm Waxman coming backstage at the Ed Sullivan show and then Big Man in Town? Um, everybody left stage. And I had okay. this extended monologue. Okay, so you, so okay, so it, it okay. Now I understand. Yeah. So everyone left the stage, but okay, was th- was there a blackout? Like no, no, no. Oh, so wow. the so okay. the whole thing, so that that whole like, underscoring of was that in? 
God, you're going to, this is a long time. I'm ago. so sorry. <laughs> no, I don't, I, you know, honestly, they treated it like any of the other monologues that we did during the show where all that would happen is, is we would step forward and everything would move behind us. And so I, I, I started the monologue and walked over to the top of the spiral staircase the way I would normally do, only as I was going, I was saying a brand new monologue um, with bits and pieces of what already existed, plus all of these other things that were sort of the connective tissue that connected everything while everybody got changed. And that's essentially the only reason why it was there as long as it was, because you had to get the band on, the drum kit back, the table rolled off, um, you know, four guys changed into new suits and, and back on stage long enough to have a slightly extended scene while I was changing. But they were going to ask me to change from one suit into a completely different suit in about 30 seconds. So. And you're, you're, you're still wearing the, the Dawn suit, the blue one. Wow. I'd already <laughs> handed off the jacket, at, uh, I think, when we rehearsed it. But I still wanted okay. to get out of the shirt and the pants and, okay. the, shoe, and the shoes, if I remember right. Um, get the new suit on, put everything back on, and, and go. It's always the shoes. We're always learning about all these shoe changes. <laughs> yeah. My gosh, that's so stressful. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is... We we didn't we didn't know. I mean, we knew that there were changes and like they made the show shorter. Jeff, the fact that you're talking about the regrets too, because I, we've talked to so many people about about Nick Massey's character, and some, and even including us, might say that like he didn't regret anything. You know, that's all up to interpretation. Um, I we, we've gotten that. We, yeah, we, we we've gotten both sides of the yeah, spectrum. But with you, with that extended monologue where he's explicitly saying his regrets, like you have that. That yeah, there's just so much out, weight. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I can probably look that up and try to pick out some of the bits and pieces. But there wasn't, I'll be honest, there wasn't much. Um, most of it was about Tommy and Bob. Um, but uh, there was enough to pick on, at least for me as an actor, to sort of, to sort of it, it gave me a couple of ahas about the show that I did. Even when the monologue disappeared, I thought, okay, they must have written this for a reason. Um, and some of it actually was from stuff in La Jolla that got cut out before it came to New York. And the fact that that Nick, so we was saying how, how Frankie, in in all of his direct addresses, he's never talking about himself. He's always talking about the people, or he's talking about Tommy or Nick. And then with with Nick, he's just talking about to, about Tommy and Bob. So everything is just kind of like a, a cool ladder down. It's exactly it's the it's what what Des likes to call the four microphones to the three microphones to the two microphones to the one microphone. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And so you, so you were in Vegas from when exactly? Like from I, when to when? I, we opened. Um, our first preview was April 4th of 2008. Um, and then we officially opened in May. Um, God, was it May? It was Frankie's birthday. So that was May 4th. May 3rd. May 3rd. May 3rd. That's right. Because um, I know we had to learn a special version of Happy Birthday that, that you know, Eric Bergen, Eric Bergen and, and Rick and, and uh, Jeremy Kushner and I sang for him. Oh, that's Beautiful. so cool! Yeah. Nice, and that's when season two of our podcast yeah, is premiering as well. Two. So, yeah. on the anniversary, is oh my God, this birthday. is so cool. I, I yeah. love, I love hearing uh, Jersey Boysified versions of like, just songs, like <laughs> the 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 Australian company with Bobby Fox. They sang the Australian national anthem. It's gorgeous. Have you seen that video? I haven't. I've done the the U.S. national anthem. Um, Jersey Boys version a few times. Yes, yes, that is a great version. Yeah, we'll 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 send you that video with the Australian company. It is nuts. Can we can we talk about your national anthem stories? Like, has like any 
sure. cool arrangements or yeah please tell us i mean well well um ron melrose wrote uh, sort of a jersey boys version of the, the national anthem um, and I don't, I don't know when he wrote it. I know that the first time that we performed it was at the Las Vegas Speedway. Um, and so it was, cool. Uh, oh, yeah. It was, it was intimidating. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> look, I think by the time we we had gotten there, you know, we were still relatively fresh, but we were definitely like the guys in town um, for a little bit. And so we were definitely feeling that, and the house was full, and it was, you know, sing, performing in front of two thousand people is is bigger than that. So twenty seven hundred people was great. Um, this was a hundred thousand people. Um, the very first time I sang the national anthem for Jersey Boys, um, and it was uh, so it was it was definitely intimidating. And the cars are, are revving behind you, um, and as you finish, like there are five of not 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 just five um, F-15s flying over, but the Thunderbirds flew over um, because they they're housed right at Nellis Air Force Base just down the road. Um, so it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Um, that was. I don't. I don't know that I've ever topped that singing the national anthem solo or Jersey Boys or anywhere. <laughs> Aw, wow! What yeah. a story. So, do you live in Las Vegas now? I do. Yeah, I moved for the show. Um, I was actually on the. My wife and I were on our way to New York um, when the first audition came in, and uh, and I ended up landing the the show in Vegas. So we we moved to Vegas, and we've just never left. So I was in Jersey Boys for, um, I'd been been here for a couple of years in Vegas already. Um, our daughter had been born and when she was young, she's only three months old, her pediatrician noticed some, what looked like um, birthmarks um, on her chest and on her arm and on her leg. And um, and she noticed that there, when she came in subsequent times, there were actually more of them. And so we didn't know what that meant, but she immediately, thank goodness, because many people don't know of it, she said this might be a symptom of something called neurofibromatosis. And uh, and so we went through about a six month process of getting her officially diagnosed. And, um, it, and NF is a, is a, it can be a very scary thing. Um, it is period, but um, it, what makes it scary are the possibilities for, for difficult symptoms and challenges. And so the first thing that most people do that most most NF families who have been around for a while tell them not to is they go to Google. Um, that's what we did. And um, and the first thing you see are the cases that are of interest to, you know, medical students and, you know, to, to show some of the extreme symptoms that are possible. And when you suddenly are thinking of it in terms of your own child, you know, it's not just a strange picture online. It's, oh, my gosh, this could be my daughter. And um, so after about three weeks of, of looking stuff up and many moments of tears, we decided that it was time to stop looking and maybe find an organization that we can call and really find out what we can do. Like, how, do you, how, are you proact how can you be proactive for your child? Um, what does it really mean to have a child with this disorder? So um, I picked up the phone and called an organization called Neurofibromatosis Network. At the time, they were called NF Inc. And um, they're a grassroots organization, which is one of the reasons I called them. There is another organization that's a little bit more corporate, um, but they didn't really have an outreach phone number that I could find that made sense. So I called NF Network and the executive director picked up the phone and we spent two hours on the phone together. Um, and she talked about what it was like to be an NF mom and um, the challenges that they've had to face and the best things you can do to be proactive. It was essentially everything that I was hoping to find 
But I was just so blown away by the fact that it wasn't a social worker I was talking to, it was the executive director. Um, and so in that conversation, she said, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm so fascinated by the fact that you're in Jersey Boys, we all know what that is. Um, it, can you think of anything that you could do to help? And I immediately said yes, um, before really even thinking about it. And as I was saying it, I thought, well, you know, here's a Gershwin-esque idea, let's throw in a show in a barn. Um, and so that's what I aim to do. So my wife and I started doing some work and um, in 2011, after a couple of hiccups, we ended up um, in the barn that Elvis built, the Las Vegas Hilton. Um, wow. And, uh, yeah. and it, was a it was a horrible flop the first year. Um, oh no! <laughs> I mean, the, no. Sh the show—the show wasn't. I mean, it, it was uh, everybody. I think we'll find when it comes to giving back, using your talent, that that most performers are very generous, and everybody was, and the talent was amazing. Um, but I didn't know anything about producing, and um, despite every effort to get people to come, nobody knew the word neurofibromatosis, and so they didn't know why they should show up. So in a fifteen hundred seat house, we had one hundred and ninety seven people sitting in the front middle section. And it was empty um, and the show went long. And you know, I, I had dreams of six figure fundraising and I think we raised about $13,000, which isn't anything to shake a stick at, but it was, a, it was a start. And I figured, okay, maybe I'll try something else next year or year after that. Um, and then somebody asked me as we were cleaning up the auction, they said, so when's the next one? Oh, I love that. Go. And I said, um, you know, I don't know, we'll get back to you. And so immediately we started talking about it and jumped into the next one and we've never looked back and you yeah. do three concerts a year so now i do so um it was just vegas for until 2017 and in 2017 i made my first attempt at producing something in new york um definitely small it was more about planting the the, the flagpole in, in new york city than it was about really raising money that first year and then the next year because it went so well in new york um relatively you know we decided to try chicago which is where nf network is located and um, and ever since we've done it, and obviously until last year, <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> and then last year we had to cancel New York and Chicago, and um, I suddenly became a virtual events producer. And uh, now, um, you know, this Sunday on the, on May second, I'm about to produce my third virtual event, and learning all about hybrid events so that I can do that in October for our eleventh concert in Las Vegas. Eleventh concert. That's incredible. Yeah. We're so proud of yourself and, and you and, and your wife, Melody, too. And we wish the best for your daughter. Is, is everything OK? Yeah. The, the, the tough part about COVID is that it, her hospital, you know, her, where her, all of her doctors are, is in Los Angeles. And um, Los Angeles isn't exactly the place that we wanted to go, even as healthy adults, but let alone with a child who could potentially be high risk. So we've purposely avoided it. And as a result, she hasn't had MRIs. She hasn't had doctor's visits in 14 months. And normally in this time, she would have had three of them, um, not to mention the surgery that was supposed to happen last summer. So yeah, she's okay, um, but we're about to go in for MRIs probably in June. And, um, and you know, there's, there's, we, until we see the pictures, we don't really know. Right. And you're okay. gonna go to LA or? We are, yeah. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> It's wonderful to live in Las Vegas. The weather's great. Um, it's inexpensive, but there's horrible medical care here. And literally in the entire state, because I've now helped many families, new NF families in the state of Nevada, there literally is not a single NF doctor in this, in this entire state. So um, I send everybody to either Los Angeles or San Francisco or Utah, unless they can really go somewhere, and I'll t tell them again on the plane to go to Chicago. 
Could you explain what it is for our sure. listeners too? Just yeah. Yeah, neurofibromatosis is a genetic disorder of the nervous system that's characterized by tumors that can grow on nerves. That's as you know, that's a, the 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 main type of tumor is called a neurofibroma, which is where this disorder got its name. Um, but there are a number of symptoms that go along with it. Um, unfortunately, there's about three thousand genetic mutations that can cause NF that they know of, um, and there's potentially more. So, um, and even if somebody has, you can line five people up with the same identical genetic mutation, they could all have different symptoms. But symptoms range anywhere from, you know, the cafe lace box with those birthmark things that we noticed when she was young, um, to blindness, deafness, chronic pain, um, very common are, are attention and learning disorders. Um, and then in the, ex- the more extreme side, there are, you know, incurable cancers, um, and deformation and in, and in many cases death so uh, finding a cure is, is really kind of what i'm in here for but last year actually we um we saw the very first fda approved treatment for a certain type of nf tumor that emma has in her leg so you know it's a t- baby step but it's a it's a pretty good one and it's you know we that's why we keep fighting because now we've made progress now we have to continue going until there's another treatment and another treatment and there's a cure one day and I don't have to produce concerts anymore because they're not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it's that turning point. We're so happy to hear from that. Like last summer. That's wonderful. And you have so many great Broadway all stars like on your side too with this. It's great. Like your lineup is amazing. You have amazing. Leia Salonga, you have Betty Buckley, you have Derek um, Baskin, yes, Marcellus, and yeah. Stephanie J. Black. Oh my Block, god. So how, how do you go about producing your shows? Um, well, you know, when it first when it started here in Vegas, it was just about literally knocking on my friend's dressing room doors and saying, would you want to perform um, or going or, or just making picking a phone to anybody that we'd met on the strip. Um, and that's kind of the way it continued. You know, every time a new show would come in like Rock of Ages, I would get to know the cast um, and I would invite them. Um, and anytime we had an opportunity to hang around with other performers, I would get to know them so that I could ask. And if I didn't know them myself, I would find somebody who did. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes. You know, I, eventually I'm, you know, every once in a while I find a big name that I just am paying to come in and do it. Um, but that's a very rare thing. Um, and then when it comes to the Broadway community, you know, everybody knows everybody. So there, I have, you know, direct contacts with Betty Buckley. I have direct contacts. I've been friends with Leia Salonga since Peter Sade introduced me to her, you know, a handful of years ago or more than a handful of years ago. Um, and uh, Derek, I did I did Memphis uh, world premiere of Memphis with many many years ago, and um, and you know Stephanie and and I've met Sebastian obviously in New York with Jersey Boys, but Stephanie and Sebastian um, have we have mutual friends, and so it just becomes about hey, can you connect me with them, and and then I tell the story, um, and if they connect with the story and they're available, then it's a very rare thing that somebody says no, um, and in this case I was just ecstatic that that not only everybody but but I mean, Broadway royalty said yes. And, um, and that's kind of how it came around. And plus, you know, we're celebrating our 10th year. So we've had 16 concerts at this point around the country. This is going to be number 17. And, um, and May is NF Awareness Month. So I thought if there's a time to go big and celebrate Broadway, um, you know, the Broadway community also being 80% of the performers that have stood on the NFL concert stage over the years, um, this was the time. Um, and, and plus, I, you know, I, I want to give back to this community. So 
in addition to giving the proceeds to Neurofibromatosis Network, who's always gotten the proceeds from these concerts, I'm giving a portion of the proceeds to the Actors Fund to help with their COVID relief. Um, and so I, this is my way of saying thank you to the Broadway community for supporting us over the last 10 years. Um, but I, I think that made it easier for a lot of these people to say yes. Of course, yes. And the show is on a Sunday kind of love, too. So Hey-o. it's perfect timing. Sunday, exactly. May 2nd. Spread yes. the love. Yes. Spread the hope. Yep. So Sunday, <laughs> May 2nd, 2021, 7 p.m. Yes. Eastern. Yes. And then please let us know where we can find um, and register for tickets and donations, all that good stuff. The easiest place to go is to go to nfhope.org um, and then just follow the links on the very front of the page. If you're good at memorizing URLs, it's nfhopelive21.givesmart.com. So nfhopelive21. Another way to do it is if you want to text nfhopelive21 to 76278. That's there. Um, I'll give this I nice. just got my text yeah. today. Yeah. I just got my oh, text you today. Te- oh, you yeah. nice. No, no. Okay. Well, I, well, I, I had already set up the texts, I think, when I went to the oh, concert. right. Oh, yeah. And I went back to previous concerts and I sent everybody mm. a text from previous concerts. There yeah, you go. so cool. I, I just nice. got my text today. It says the 2021 NF Hope concert live stream is this Sunday, May 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern. Register now by texting NF Hope Live 21 to 76278 or go to nfhopelive21.givesmart.com. There it is. Guys, right over here, right on my phone. Sign up for those texts. Not making it up. Okay, not making it up. So here's the cool thing. So in addition to having, you know, the concert that's got Betty Buckley and Leia Salonga and Stephanie J. Block and Sebastian Arcellus and Derek Baskin and Aisha Jackson, who's a voice is ridiculous. Um, oh, and then, of ridiculous. course, Adam Jacobs, because, you know, my good buddy, James Iglehart, who's in um, Hamilton right now. He won the Tony for the genie in Aladdin. He helped connect me with uh, Adam, along with my buddy, um, John Michael Coppola, who you probably know. We had him on the show. Yeah. yeah. So, so John actually connected me directly with Adam. Um, but I, James put in a good word for me along the way. So it's an amazing cast. And plus, speaking of John Mike Coppola, his group, the four, the four C notes, will be performing as well. Um, some songs you probably like and, and recognize. Uh, <laughs> Do so we know the, any songs that the four C notes would sing? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Well, is it that it's a cover band for who? who is yeah, it? Like, like Frankie Frank, Vastaluccio. Vastal, yeah. Frankie nice. with the V, I think that's. Frank, yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you. <laughs> so, so in addition to this amazing lineup, we also have an auction. So, um, and this is the first auction we've had in a very long time because nobody's wanted been able to give us anything to donate. But um, you can get tickets, uh, VIP tickets to the next year's New York, Chicago, and um, Las Vegas NFO concerts. Or actually, the NFO concert for Vegas are VIP tickets for October, and there's only going to be about 20 or 30 people on site. So they're pretty special tickets. Plus, there are private concerts that are available. Um, I'm producing private concerts for the winners with um, my buddy Avery Rausch, who's an NF, uh, actually has NF2, an amazing talent who just moved to New York. Um, Randall Keith was one of the longest running um, Jean Valjean in Les Mis history um, on Broadway. Um, and then uh, another friend, um, Gavin Coyle, who's this ridiculous Irish tenor. And then I was convinced by people that I apparently I, I, I was told that I had to put my own um, private concert on there. So yes, somebody doing a private concert with me and vacation packages. Yay. So 
it's pretty, it's going to be a fun day. Um, and if, uh, and, and in addition, there's actually going to be a contest that we're starting with some young potential Broadway, future Broadway performers that will win a chance to get flight to go perform at the next NFL concert in New York next year. Wow, what a wonderful opportunity. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. That's great. Well, so, so, and it's, it's all live, right? It's a live, is it recorded? It's a live recorded? stream. It, yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I will freely admit, you know, Leia, if she were to perform live, it would be like seven in the morning for her. So she, I do have True. some pre-recorded <laughs> stuff for reasons like that. Um, yes. But, you know, my co-host is going to surprise us and we have a couple other surprises and um, we definitely have some some people on live with us. So it's, it's going to be and, and I'm obviously my, my me and my co-host, Jesse Schramm from Once Upon a Time and um, Nashville and Chicago Med. And the two of us are going to co-host live. Oh, uh, wow. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm so excited. Beautiful. Well, May 2nd, Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. We will be there. We will awesome. be there. It's going to I. I I was at the the concert in 2019 at Subculture, and it was wonderful energy. That everyone there, um, Aaron De Jesus performed, um, him and his wife Gail Bennett performed the duet. Drew Galing sang uh, sang a number. Um, I don't remember who else was there, but it was a beautiful, beautiful concert. I think it was the first thing I ever went to at Subculture. Um, yeah, a great, great space, and um, it was really a beautiful, beautiful concert, man. You, I, I, you do great work, and um, we're happy that we're able to support, you know, amazing organizations like this, and um, and this amazing connection back to Jersey Boys, man. You know? It's my, it's yeah, you're Jeff Lebo. <laughs> Jeff Lebo, man. <laughs> I haven't felt like that Jeff Lebo in a long time, but yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And, and, Remember, everybody, it's, the concert's free Sunday. Um, so if you can throw a few bucks at the cause, it's not only going to help NF, it's also going to help the Actors Fund. So hopefully everybody can come join us and come see some amazing entertainment and support a great cause. And, and I guess we'll get to see Jeff Lebo while you're at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Hell yeah. Well, we're stoked. We can't wait. We're and for stoked. everybody, so the links to everything are actually already in our bio on Instagram. So just check it out, register, and donate as check much out as our, you can. Check out our last Instagram post. Um, we um, posted the flyer. Check out the links. And, um, and we'll see you at the live stream. We'll see you at the live stream. Yes. And awesome. A salute. A salute. Oh, see? I didn't know I'd have this for so much